Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with Rising Tide Startups, and my guest today is Ben Kennedy. Ben, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. So, Ben, can you share a little bit about your background with our listeners? Of course, of course, yeah. So, um, so I live in Sydney, Australia, which is, uh, as you said, a very long flight away from yourself. Um, I, I have one half-sister who lives in the UK. Um, she has her own sort of, you know, entrepreneurial endeavors as well. Um, as, yeah, my, my family is, is, you know, a bunch of, you know, people who love um, starting their own businesses. My dad, he's a financial advisor. Um, and my mum, she owned her own catering business. And now she's, she's, got, her, she's got her fingers in a, in a lot of pies. You know, she's got, um, you know, uh, a bed and breakfast, a restaurant. Um, she loves horse racing as well. Um, and yeah, no, she's been she's been also been helping me out a, a fair bit because she's got a, a ton of a ton of items uh, as she used to have an events business. So yeah, I um, I used to work as an auditor um, before I sort of I, I sort of realised that wasn't the path for me. Um, and you know, I just absolutely love entrepreneurship and working on my own things, uh, similar to, to my parents because I guess I, I always grew up with it. Sure. And uh, yeah. So tell me this. So was there a moment when you were growing up that you you just kind of thought in the back of your mind that said, I think I'm going to have to work for myself because I'm probably not wired to work for somebody else? Um, yeah, yeah. I think when I was like a young kid, I, I, my dad always told the story about how I, or I, I, I sort of always had this entrepreneurial, I guess, vision. Like I, I did always see myself as owning my own business. I think when you're a kid, though, you sort of, you see all the risks and everything that can go wrong. But I think it was when I was about 16, um, I was in about, you know, year 10, year 11 in high school. And I realized, yeah, I want to, I really want to run my own business. Um, I think I started doing business studies and I, I learned a little bit more about what an entrepreneur was. And I thought, you know what, like, yeah, why not? And, and yeah, I guess, I guess that was the, the main reason why I decided um, and then, yeah, I had, a, I had a number of different business ideas and then I realized, you know, what I wanted to do was something that would help the world, mm. um, sort of something that I've stuck with. So, yeah. So is this the, is, was your, your company that you're, you've started now, is it the first thing you ever tried as a, as you're kind of on your own or did you have some other things that you kind of did maybe even say mid to late teens, you know, heading in. Because I mean, you're, you just told me you're an old 21 right now. So <laughs> you, you don't have a long track record there. So yeah, no, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of experience, I guess. Um, you're not, you're not wrong there. But when I was a kid, yeah, I used to do, you know, just little things like my, my family would take me over to Bali. Um, and I knew that, you know, people at school, they absolutely, there were a few things they loved. They loved Vintang singlet. Um, they love Vance shoes and they love sunglasses. So, you know, I just put a, a Facebook post out there and people would, people would message me and say, Hey, you know, um, I'd love to, to get a Vintang singlet off you and, and all this sort of thing. So obviously they don't have to pay to go all the way to Bali. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, we'd, <laughs> we'd buy it, you know, $15, $15, you know, for a Vance and then resell it for 20, you know. So we, we, there was a, things that I used to do, you know, buy chips from Woolies and then, you know, resell them and, and do like little things like that. 
Um, but yeah, I guess I, I, I sort of did those things without even knowing, you know, sure. like I, I, didn't, I didn't even think that that would be, you know, something that would lead to me becoming an entrepreneur. And I still don't really look at it that way. It was just like, I just sort of saw an opportunity and, and thought I'd, you know, go down the, you know, what, what was there to lose? You know, otherwise I got, you know, a bunch of these cool bands or cool big tanks with us. So I wasn't really at a loss at all, you know? So yeah, I guess that those were little ideas that I, I sort of had when I was growing up and um, yeah. I absolutely, I mean, that that is unmistakable, the genetic disposition of an entrepreneur. You see an opportunity, you take advantage of an opportunity, you you kind of find the the itch that somebody has and you help them scratch it. I mean, it's it's that simple. I mean, just the I, I love the way you kind of you looked away and you were kind of like going, Yeah, I guess I was an entrepreneur because I would sell candy and I would, I would go to Woolies and I would break open the bag and I would sell. I would buy the big bag and I would sell it individually and just, you know, whatever that thing is. So it's, it's too funny because yeah, I, it was, it was so strange when I was a kid. Yeah. I just, I, I didn't even think of it like that. Cause I just had fun, you know, it, it felt like when you're, you know, when you have a job, when you're working, like you, you can't have fun when you, when you're doing that sort of thing. And I was just like, Oh, I really enjoy this. So I just, yeah, I, I didn't think that that it was entrepreneurial at all. That wasn't even my mindset. I was just like, oh, this might make me a couple bucks. <laughs> what is the bank? So, yeah. <laughs> so walk us through kind of the transition of, of Gecko. So how did how did it come about? What was the kind of the backstory? I mean, did you just have this dream one night that, hey, we need to rent our stuff that's in the garage there? <laughs> how did the, what yeah, was that, kind yeah. of the genesis? Um, well, to be honest, I, I had a few different startup ideas um just you know as you do but they didn't really make a positive impact to the world and i remember i, I went over to new zealand because um I, I have background in new zealand as well and yeah i was with i was with my cousin and i asked her, you know where where am i sleeping tonight because i knew that her, my mum had the, the bed and she said oh i, I got a an air mattress from someone down the road and i thought oh, okay that's cool like what would you have done if you didn't know that he had one and she sort of said, oh, um, I guess, you know, I would have bought one. And I just, it, the first thing I thought was like, what a waste of money. Like, and, and I just knew, I, I sort of thought back to how is this relevant to me? And I went to Falls Festival, which is um, like, not as good as Coachella or anything like mm -hmm. that, but you know, it's a festival where you go camping and, and, and whatnot. And we bought tents, we bought, you know, gazebos, we bought tables, chairs, which is like, for all, I think, eight of us, you know, it was like 600 bucks. Yeah. And I thought, there's, there's, there's got to be a better way to do this, you know what I mean? So I just thought, okay, you know, why I'll, I'll do a bit of research and, and sort of see if there's anything else like that out there. And, you know, sort of realized, no, there's, there's nothing, absolutely nothing in Australia. There was this one sort of marketplace that had like 20, 20 listings, and I was like, well, that's not going to help anyone. So, yeah, you know, that's, that's sort of what I did. And, yeah, went went down that route. So, so walk us through kind of the launch. I mean, you, it's, it's one thing to have the idea. It's another thing to say, okay, how do I build this online, you know, app or how do I build the, the, the marketplace, you know, the digital marketplace and how do we take payments and how do we keep people from stealing stuff and how do we, you know, protect people with insurance and all the things you have to have to kind of think through. So, so walk us through that, that initial planning stage. Yeah, absolutely. So I think for the first, three months um 
it was really, it, it, it took me a long time to realize I'm really going hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, cause I, I remember I told my friends and, and the reception I got from them wasn't very positive. Just because like, it was just like, I just told them about the idea and they just sort of were silent for like five seconds. And I was just like, Oh, okay. Maybe it wasn't that good an idea anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I did a lot of validation, you know, I, I, I put a lot of time and effort. I mean, when I thought of the idea it was January 2018 and when we officially launched was September 2019. So that's like, you know, a year, a year and nine months of, of really working on whether this is a, a, like a valid business idea. You know? um, so, yeah, pretty much from the outset, you know, I did a, lot, did a lot of research, saw, you know, whether there's a real need for this. So. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know where to start because, as you said, you know, I, I was very inexperienced. I didn't really know what to what to do. So I just thought, okay, you know, do, do I get the product out there first, or, or what do I what do I do? But luckily, right. I was doing a subject at university, which was innovation and entrepreneurship. So I just went straight to um, after obviously discussing with my parents because you know they're they're very much in the, in the space. Um, I spoke to my lecturer, and she said, "You got to put out a survey because you don't even know if people actually want this yet." And I said, oh, no, I'm pretty sure people want this. And she's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> everyone says that. And I was like, oh, that's actually a really fair point. So, um, yeah, I, I literally just put out this survey, sent it to as many people as I could. I think we ended up getting over 100 responses. And, yeah, it was, it was actually really positive, um, which I wasn't, I wasn't, I was really, really nervous, wasn't, wasn't sure what people were going to say. Mm. And the best part about it was, I think the lessons that I learned. So one thing that I learned is that, you know, straight away you need to have, be getting people's email addresses when you're doing all these surveys, right? Because I had 110 people that completed this survey and then I had no email list. And I was like, oh no, because <laughs> people were saying that they were interested and then I couldn't let them know that this is actually going to be a thing. Uh, so I was like, oh damn, that was <laughs> that, that's a huge lesson that I've learned, you know, if I, if I whoever going on to something else that's like the first thing i'm doing when i'm putting out surveys i did a whole lot of interviews as well um so just speaking to people and just sort of taking an understanding you know whether people because obviously everyone wants to help you but a lot of the time people will just want to be nice so you just need to filter out whether you know they are just trying to, to be nice and you know let you down gently or whatever and, and it's just the questions you ask, which I, which I thought was really interesting. So at the beginning, you know, I thought, oh, qualitative analytics, you know, that's, that's the way to go. We've got to be interviewing. We've got to be doing all that sort of thing. And then I sort of realized, actually, the quantitative analytics is probably a lot more accurate because then you can tell, you know, what people are actually doing because mm-hmm. they can say, oh, you know, I only go on TikTok, you know, one hour a day. Um, and then you look at their phone and they're, they're on it, you know, four hours a day, you know, yeah. it, it's, and that's not lying that they, they probably think that they're telling the truth and they don't even realize, but that's just an example of, I guess, the, the little things that we, that we learned. So to be honest, I just tried to speak to as many intelligent people as I could, um, that were a lot smarter than me and just learn from them and just take everything on board and always be open to new opportunities. So you know, I thought that what I needed was a co-founder, but what I really needed to do was validate this business idea. Sure. And then the rest would come, you know? So obviously I was very lucky to have this auditing job, which literally paid for, for everything. Um, so, you know, when I, was, when I was paying for, you know, people to build a website and all that sort of thing, that's, 
you know, all that money that I earned was going straight back into the business and, and whatnot. So um, while a lot of people, you know, going out and spending, you know, a, a lot of money while they're out on a Saturday night, yeah, I guess all, all my own money was really being spent. Um, don't get me wrong, you know, uh, <laughs> I'd have a few good nights here and there, but, you know, a lot of that money was being spent and being right. put back in. So, I mean, you, uh, it sounds like to me that you pretty much bootstrapped this, I mean, from, the, from yeah. the beginning. So have you, I mean, have you gotten to the point now that you have raised outside funding or is, is it? Yeah, so we're actually just locking that in, like as we speak. So we're just doing a pre-seed round. And the reason mm -hmm. for that is, I think Australia is very different to America. Um, Australia is a lot harder to get funding. Um, because you know there's there's a lot like the startup scene over here just isn't as, just isn't at the quality that America's is. It will be it will be soon, um, maybe in you know 10 20 years. But right now we we are quite a bit behind um, for the time being. So it is so the the whole process of you know raising funds is extremely lengthy. So one thing that we really wanted to do was get this money on board and get it quickly because our main focus was growth. So, you know, I know one of my mentors, Daniel, he was always saying, you know, what you've got to be going for is 10% week on week growth. And that's how you know you're in the right direction or whether you're not. It turns out that we've, I think our week on week growth has been something around 300% or, or something wow. like that. that. And that's, I think that was uh, the third quarter. So, sorry, as in first quarter of this year. So that was at the end of March, which also includes, uh, the coronavirus, which took us down. So I think before coronavirus, we were around the 400% uh, sort of mark. Um, I think it was, that was probably close to 450% week on week. So yeah, we were we were skyrocketing. Um, and then obviously this has sort of come along, which has been a bit of a shame. Uh, but yeah, I guess um, that's, that's sort of been our, our goals. And we've just been looking at our key metrics to, to improve and get to the next level. So you and I are going to hop on a lift here. We're going to go up 10 floors. You got 45 seconds to give me your best elevator pitch on Gecko. Tell me what it does and who it serves. Yeah, of course. So, um, so Gecko is, you know, a rental marketplace that helps people make extra cash off items that are gathering dust in their homes by renting them out. So if you have a spare speaker, drone, DJ decks, um, wedding chairs, deck chairs, you're able to, you know, hire these items out and start making some, some money off them. Um, so, you know, we not only do we help people make money, but we also help people rent what they want when they want it. And we're looking to change consumers to sharers for the sake of the environment. So how do you like, like, I think of in terms of like Craigslist or Facebook marketplace or whatever, like, how do you protect the the person that is loaning this this equipment out or renting this equipment out. So do you encourage people, do they have to meet? Do you do you tell them to meet at a neutral site? Do you have, have people give their address out, you know, their house address so people can actually come to their house to get the stuff or so in the States, that's a, that's pretty dangerous to do that, to, to post your, your address. So there's a lot of, you know, encouragement to meet it, you know, in a public place you know, a parking lot or something like that. So how do you handle that within your, within your, your service? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing from the outset that we got from the survey, so I believe when we first put out the survey, we said, would you be interested in, and then I gave like my little one line pitch. And then I think we got about 60, between 60 and 70%, somewhere around, I think it was around 60, 63%. 
um, of people that said, yeah, I guess, I guess I'd be keen to do this. And then the question after, we asked if there was a bond um, or security system in place, you know, would you, would, would this entice you to, to list? And that, uh, sorry, it, was, it wasn't entice, it was, would you use this? Yeah. And that 63% jumped up to 89%. Mm-hmm. Something we realized from the outset, because I, I mean, I asked myself, you know, would, would I use this? And it's like, <laughs> I, I remember just saying, no, I wouldn't. Then I thought, why wouldn't I use this? And I said, security. Well, that's what we've got to do in order to get the be getting these uh, we've got to be putting in a security system so that's something that we've had a huge focus on so one thing that we did is just trying to do whatever we could and to be honest there was a bit of looking into airbnb how, how they did things and all this sort of stuff so first things first um we put in a bond uh, that was probably the, the easiest you know thing to do um not only it's the best thing as well because lenders are in full control of the bond how much and how little um, and it's just, I guess, about hand-holding them to know, okay, this is probably a little bit too much um, because otherwise someone just might as well buy it. Um, and all this is probably a little bit too small, you know, because the, the whole purpose of the bond is, yes, we can protect um, in other ways, but we just really don't want to go down that rabbit hole. You know what I mean? Right. So not that, but we use Stripe. So we love Stripe. Stripe's, mm-hmm. Stripe's so great. So one thing that Stripe does is they're able to get, you know, where these people live. Um, and we can see whether this fits in with our vetting system. So um, you have to put your address in in order to, to sign up to Gecko and, and hire out items. And we can see, you know, whether this sort of fits in with each other. And as well as that, we have their credit card details. So we're able to, to charge them for, you know, people coming late or, or do anything like that. So. So far, um, we've been relatively lucky. I think we've had, you know, four or five accidents so far. And people people know, you know, this is going to get taken out of the bond. We, we haven't had any issues. We had death, um, which was a great learning curve for us. To, you know, remunerate, you know, all the people that were involved and then, you know, all this insurance stuff and, and, and whatnot. So, yeah. yeah I, uh, that's that's how, and we put that in you know, on our homepage. You know, it's one of the most important things about you know our betting system, our bond, um, Stripe, and, and everything that we do in order to protect our our users. So right. in terms of, in terms of you know going to people's places, we leave that to the lender and what they feel comfortable in doing and all that sort of thing. So one thing, yeah, it, it really depends on on the person. So I I personally would recommend a user if they are a lender is to you know try and you know not do too, as, as much work as possible because for me personally I'm, I'm really lazy so you know i, I know <laughs> obviously you're out. not <laughs> That's oh you know what i mean so you know it's just it's just about you know you can sort of chill a borrower can come to you um, and do all that sort of thing. But as well as that, we do offer a delivery system because we realize, oh, there is a bit of a friction point there because you've got to go all the way to their house and you've got to drop it all the way back. And it's like, hey, you know, extra revenue stream. Yep. We'll just we'll go with that. So, so yeah, we, we trialed that out in January and it worked really, really well for us. So it took us because we take 15% from the lender and then 5% from the borrower. And then it took our percentages up like quite a, quite a fair bit. And not only that, but it's gross merchandise volume, our average revenue and all that sort of thing. So instead of earning 20%, it's actually closer um, to around that, you know, 30%. Sure. 
Yeah, and I would think they're they're generally fairly close together. I mean, the like the the yeah. the borrower and the lender are probably geographically fairly close together because I mean they have Absolutely. to be. You know, they have yeah. to be. Local approach is, is so important for marketplaces, especially. I mean, you look at all the all the amazing uh, marketplaces. Uh, Lenny Richitsky writes about it amazingly. Um, how he talks about you know geographically. That's that's the way to go about it, you know. I mean, you can you can sort of knuckle in product wise, but I'd say all the all the best ones, you know, your Ubers, your Airbnbs, or all these sorts of you know incredible sort of sharing economy uh, marketplaces, they've all done really well just by going with a hyper local approach. Right. So when when exactly was this service launched? Yeah. So we launched in September uh, last year, uh, 9th of September. I'll remember it forever. And uh, yeah, it. it it definitely wasn't perfect when we launched. You know what I mean? It was it was a minimum viable product, um, and we'd sort of we'd sort of ironed out all the kinks. Um, but yeah, we we launched, and I remember I, I got up in the morning at around six a.m. and you know was you know messaging all these people about you know put your listings on Gecko and all that sort of stuff, and then I went to sleep. It's, I think I haven't done this too much, but I actually went. I think it was the first time ever that I went to sleep. You know, while I was like on the computer, you know, working, um, or I was on the phone, you know, messaging people to, to go on to Gecko. So that's never happened. I think it's only happened a, a two or three times. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was incredibly exciting, and yeah, it was just all about you know looking at you know growth um, and you know what the what the customer really needs and wants. So we were lucky enough to be an accelerator at the time. Um, the Turbo Traction Lab, which is in Australia, where we've met a ton of amazing uh, mentors. And yeah, it was it was really great for us because we could work on, you know, obviously the tech side had so many kinks when we started, but it worked. You know, you could you could go on to our platform, you could, you know, hire out an item, which is, you know, the whole the whole point of an MVP. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's sort of how we got started. And obviously we worked out, okay, that's bad. That's good. That's really, really bad. We need to work on that now. This affects sales, so that needs to be prioritized and all that sort of thing. Did you, did you build this like on say WordPress with, with like some modules or was this just like completely from scratch? You hired a, de a web developer and they just, he just created it. Yeah. So that's actually a really good question. So I probably spent a great, a, a grand amount of my time, trying to find a, a co-founder and just getting as much tech help as I could because I can't code. I, I can I can do the hello world, you know, your basic um, sort of HTML. Log entry. Uh, right. Yeah, that's it. Um, but no, I can't I can't code. I, I wouldn't want myself to code because um, or, or or you know do any of that sort of thing because that's just not where my strengths are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just I, I I look to sort of hire people that, that were better. So I guess the general consensus of Everyone that I spoke to, they said, look, you could go down WordPress, but the amount of tech debt that you're going to have in the long run, if you actually see this sort of working out, um, would be too great. Now, to be honest, I think that's up for a debate. So yep. um, I wouldn't tell anyone to code from scratch, and I wouldn't tell anyone to go onto WordPress or Share Tribe or, or what have you. I think it really just depends on where you're at. It just so happened we put this post into a Facebook group and the people we met with were so genuine, they were so honest, um, that are our, you know, software developers now. And we just thought, hey, you know, I can really trust these guys. And we can still really trust them, you know, they they were genuine, they were honest. 
and we thought, okay, you know, I'm I'm I I I'm happy to to do what they say, you know. Um, and obviously, we spoke to a bunch of people, and and we got a, a few different recommendations and all that sort of thing. But I think I think in the long run, that will be the the best decision um, that we made. Yeah, I, you you mentioned it just a, a few minutes ago about. Uh, you know, this exponential growth that you were experiencing and then then all of a sudden, boom, you know, COVID-19, the coronavirus hit and and virtually, I mean, for the first time in, in the history of mankind, it's like, you know, we hit the, the global pause button. You know, it's like everything like stopped, like shut down, no schools, no, you know, businesses are shut down, restaurants closed, transportation's closed, no travel. Um, so, I want to really kind of hone in on that as far as because I, I mean, our other listeners, you know, that, that are going to listen to this podcast, they're dealing with this in their own context. And I'm just really curious. So what are some of the things that that you've experienced as a as a, you know, obviously a, an early stage startup founder? And how have you kind of coped with those? You know, how are you dealing with those with with you, with your team, with, you know, uh, clients? I mean, kind of walk us through just the kind of the rough waters that, that, you know, COVID-19 can, can cause a business to have. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was something that uh, it's hard because we, we were expecting it like more than anything, you know, we're in the space and, and, and all this sort of thing where, where it's getting thrown around all the time. I think it's just one of those things that it's very hard to, I guess, deal with. And I guess I, I think there's going to be that sense of realization because there's there's a difference between like, oh yeah, this is going to impact us, and it's like, oh, we really need to do something about this. And I think when that really clicked, things started getting into gear. And yeah. it's just about having that realization as quick as possible. That pretty much makes or breaks businesses, in my opinion. So, you know, there there was <laughs> I won't lie. I remember this one day where like. Um, our prime minister was like, you know, businesses need to innovate, need to innovate and all this sort of thing. I was like, he never uses that word um, or anything. And I was like, I, I just, I was only thinking about small businesses and, and whatnot, you know, um, about, you know, all the things that they needed to do. And I just had this sort of bit of a sulk where I was just like, you know, like, oh, but, you know, what we're doing is starting to work. It's starting to get flight and whatnot. And it's just it's coming to that realization where it's just like, hey, Something needs to be done about this and needs to be done ASAP. Like, let's go, let's start brainstorming, let's get the team together and, and let's start moving. So one thing that, that we sort of did was because we had a number of items that, that are on high liquidity marketplaces in order to, to grow our own because ours is so much better. Um, <laughs> so, so one thing that we sort of realized is certain items were getting uh, quite a, quite a lot of, um, you know, people responding to them and we were like, okay, well, it's actually not a bad thing that we've kept things, we haven't kept things broad, we, we have sort of stiffened it down, but what we stiffened it down to was events, and events are closed. There is yep. no event. Yeah. So two months or so, or, well, at, at the time, it was three or four months. Right. So, we're, okay, you know, this is this is a bit of an issue. So, what we realized is, okay, what are, what are people saying higher, and why are they doing it? So, number one was DJ Dex. Now, DJ decks are very, very expensive. So to get, so that was something that we were like, okay, we need these as much as possible. So we started putting um, ads out and we realized like a lot of people, this was starting to pick up quite a bit of traction. So we're like, okay, 
why are they doing it? And we spoke to them and they were like, because we need to, you know, not be crazy while we're, while we're at home. So I was like, okay, perfect. Then we had a look at other items and why were they getting hideouts? Xboxes, PlayStation, guitars, you know, musical instruments, you know, keyboards, like all, all these sorts of things. And we're like, okay, so people need to keep busy while they're, they're doing this and they want to learn. They want to teach themselves how to DJ sure. or all this sort of thing. So it was just realizing that going, okay, people don't want to go stir crazy. Let's start putting that in all our marketing content and all that sort of thing. So it was just, I guess, having that realization as soon as possible that a slight pivot needs to be made. That's the most important thing. Then as well as that, because we have good, bad, ugly emails to, you know, investors, mentors, all these people. And we got sent over this huge list um, about what's doing really well at the moment and what's not. So obviously stuff like gym equipment is doing really, really well at the moment, whereas cameras are not doing so well. And we've seen that in the amount of people that are messaging yep. um, on things. So, so we realized, okay, now let's start getting the supplier. Portable monitors, for example, like that, like everyone was trying to get portable monitors because people are trying to work from home. So, so we're just thinking, okay, we need to try and get this, this supply. How can we get this supply? How can we get it in bulk? And, and just working out things in this way in order to, to stay alive. Because at the end of the day, you know, we, we are relatively lucky that we haven't raised, you know, like all this money. Because if you had, your runway would have gone from, from nine months to, you know, literally four weeks. Sure. Uh, and, and there would be so many startups out there that, that that's happened to. Yeah. And, you know, I, I spoke to my own mentor who literally had that happen. And he said, you know, you, the most important thing is staying alive during this time um, and just having enough runway to, to, and whether that is, and unfortunately, as, you, as you've seen through the statistics, you know, it is, you know, uh, employment, unemployment rate has gone through the roof and that's because businesses are realizing, hey, we need runway in order to survive because, you know, cutting a cutting hundred jobs is bad, but cutting, you know, a thousand jobs, that's really bad. And it's yeah. sort of just making a decision because, you know, there, there is a, a great opportunity that so many you know, huge businesses are going to go under um, and it's just reduced as much as possible. I, you know, it's, a, it's amazing when you look at, at the different types of businesses and how they, you, you kind of like prognosticate how they're going to be able to, to come out of this on the other side. And I see a business like yours, this, this almost could be like a blessing in disguise. So you know, as you, as you see people come out this, you know, money's going to be a little tighter on an individual basis. People may be more inclined to rent something than to go buy it. You know, they may, they may want to exchange or borrow whatever those, those types of things are. So, you know, not that we, we want this to happen. So our businesses will increase, but you know, it is, there are opportunities to be made in difficult circumstances, you know, and it sounds like to me, I mean, you, you, you outlined a couple of those, like, you know, people needed monitors. So we had to go find a source for these monitors to, to really kind of build the inventory in our marketplace. So they, they would be there type thing. So it, you don't carry any inventory yourself, right? This is all kind of contracted or, or do you actually carry inventory as well on the books so that you kind of rent out your own stuff as well? Oh yeah. I mean, like I've got my, my, little Bluetooth speaker. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm talking about from a business, like you've got a uh, we, warehouse somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't, we don't. It's the exact same sort of business model as Uber. Uber don't own any cars, um, Airbnb, you know, any houses. It's the, it's the same sort of thing. You know, uh, there's a few things, obviously like I'm a user, I'm a user of Gecko. You know, there are things that I would put off of my own um, for, for, for Gecko because, you know, I want to, I, I, I see the value in it. 
But I think that's that's the most important thing is, I guess, you know, like creating a lot of value for customers because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's all about the customer. So, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely say that, uh, yeah, does that, does that Question or? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, like, yeah. I love the idea that's, you know, it's, it is like, we still use that phrase. It is the Uber of, you know, whatever. This is the Uber yeah, yeah, of the rental marketplace. <laughs> we, we do try and not say that. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, one thing that, you know, it, having that familiarity is something that we've found is sort of important, you know, particularly for security, because a lot of people yeah. go, oh, but what if, you know, this happens and it's like, well, you know, Uber, Airbnb, you know, they, we just use the same things as they do. We, you know, you know, they've, they've sort of built this platform out for us and, and, you know, we've sort of piggybacked off, off them and the yeah. things that they've done as well, which is their security. Right. So that's, um, if you're able to trust them, why would you not be able to trust us? I think that's the, that's the, the main sort of thing. Okay. You, you, that's a, that's a really good point. So we don't, we only, because we, we, we're only going to be the second best Airbnb. We're only going to be the second best Uber. You know, that's, that's not, you know, what we're, what we're trying to look to be. We're trying to be, you know, the best version of Gecko. Right. Um, so that's, that's one thing that, you know, we try and have the mentality for. But at the same time, you know, if it's needed, you, you've got to, I, I guess, to, to help people understand what you're doing. It, it works. So. I, uh, I mean, I really appreciate the, the way you've kind of framed your, your startup. And even, I mean, in a very short period of time, I mean, you've, you've learned so much, you know, uh, just from the kind of this, as the Americans would say, you know, the school of hard knocks, you know, the, you know, this kind of street education. But if there was one thing as we wrap up today, is there, if there was one thing that you wish you knew back in September that you now know? Would there be anything you said, man, I wish I knew that in August of 2019. So when we launched in September, it would have made life so much easier for the first, you know, eight months of existence or something like that. Is there anything you can just think of? Yeah, absolutely. I would say, look, there, there, I mean, don't get me wrong. There is a lot of things, um, but validation and spending so much time and effort on the building blocks for your business is so, so crucial. In my opinion, I think, that, you know, because I've seen so many businesses, because I'm in, you know, incubators and startup hubs and, and all that sort of thing. I've seen so many businesses that have not validated what they're doing. And as a result, have, you know, they've lost so much money. They've wasted a whole lot of time. And it's just, it's just a disaster. And you know what? The chances of you being onto something is very, very high. But as we know, the startup rate is, you know, it, 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 yeah. I think it's 90%. That's they were high. in their first. Yeah. It's so high. Um, so I guess it's just finding that out and being able to pivot as well and taking on feedback and just being like, okay, like, you know, customers do not want this. What, you know, where, where is the value that we can provide them? So it's number one, I guess, focusing on the customer and your why. Um, Simon Sinek has an amazing YouTube video yeah. about uh, start with why. And number two is just validate and just ask, just start speaking to customers. Know more about you know your customer last week than you did this week, and then and keep that going, and just keep those just just keep going, and and stay persistent and, and work hard. I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's amazing the amount of data though that that you're going to generate 
through your marketplace. And that, that absolutely, the more data you have, the better you're going to be able to hone in on, you know, who your ideal client is, what their pain points are, what they like to rent, how long they want to keep it, you know, all the, you know, what's the kind of the price elasticity, what's the, you know, what's the tipping point of the of cost versus, you know, benefit of, you know, within that. But, and I just really appreciate you just kind of walking us through that, walking us through not only the, just the business itself, but also walking us through the, you know, how you're dealing with, with, uh, you know, coronavirus or, or COVID-19 right now. So, man, is there anything that we haven't touched on? You just kind of want to wrap it up, wrap up with today and tell people where the best place to find you online is after that. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, um, so we're on um, all your social medias. Our, our handle is Gecko Oz. So um, that's Gecko AUS. Um, our website is www.gecko.rent. Um, and yeah, no, that's, that's, um, that's everything about us. Uh, if you ever want to speak to me personally, I'm on LinkedIn. Feel free to, feel free to connect with me. I think my link's up. Benjamin Thomas Kennedy. That's my, my full name. Um, so if you ever have any questions in regards to startups or, or anything like that, I'm so happy to, to have a, have a chat and try and help you out. So yeah. Okay. Well, I got to ask one more question now. So you, you're in Australia, but do you have like this world domination, you know, in mind that you're going to go, <laughs> it's New Zealand next. It's, you know, it's, it's absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, you know, that's, that's the whole reason you get into startups is that you, you know, you, you change the world. So yeah, we're obviously, we're, as I said, we're starting off with a hyper local approach, mainly in Sydney. However, we have made a few sales in, in Perth, which is in Western Australia, yeah. currently we're East coast. Um, you know, a couple of sales in Brisbane, Melbourne and whatnot. But yes, we absolutely, we want to get into the, to the New Zealand market because it always gets missed because the, the size is quite small. Um, but one thing that we're really looking into is, you know, high density population. So places like Hong Kong, Tokyo, um, there's a few places in America as well. We there's need to do a little bit <laughs> where, but, um, you know, that's, that's very much where our, where our target market will be as well. You know, Hong Kong, Tokyo, Singapore, a few of those places which have high dense people that, you know, imagine if you could hire an item and it's through someone who's in the same building as you, like yeah. how, how cool would it be, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess that's, you know, what we're, what we're looking to, to get into and yeah, go from there. Well, Ben, we're going to wrap up uh, today, but we're going to, we'll have to circle back with you in a couple of years. And, and, you know, I may have to call your people to get to you by that time, because <laughs> you will have dominated the global rental space, you know, through <laughs> Gecko Online. But Ben, thank you for just taking the time today and just sharing your story and just really helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Ben, have a great day. You too. Thank you so much. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.